The Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Created from an atomic fireball hurled from outer space. The Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Threatens man's very existence on Earth. Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Battles Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan for mastery of the world. Men quake before the terror of their unleashed fury. All new, all never to be forgotten. A new high in visions from Monsterland. Hello everyone, welcome to Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, and tonight we are bringing you some new visions from Monsterlands, and of course, I am joined by uh, King Caesar himself, Derek. Hello there, what's going on Jerry? Uh, I am so glad you didn't disappoint me there, and we also uh, bring two guys who suspiciously have green marks on their face, I don't know what's going on. But one of them would be the one and only Mr. Venom. Hello, hello, listeners. Hello, co-hosts. How's everyone doing? You sound good, mighty good. apish right now. It's very odd. <laughs> and, of course, we have the Don himself, Don Anelli. How you doing? Screonk, everyone. And, as a special, we have our first guest. Uh, we searched out there to find someone good. We could not find them, so instead we brought Court from Cinema Psyops. <laughs> Glad to know that I was the last or next to last choice when you couldn't find someone good. <laughs> You're the only one who responded properly. Everyone else was like, Jerry, go fuck yourself. So <laughs> Kaiju, I didn't... that's for kids. No one wants to talk about that, Jerry. Yeah, they were like, uh, does anyone get decapitated? I'm like, well, no. They're like, I don't want to do it. And I was like, You're missing out, kids. Oh, they missed out on this one then. Yeah, they this did. is the bloodiest out of all the Godzilla movies, and I don't remember Ultraman being anywhere near as bloody as the episode we watched for this week, too. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. one's actually really surprising, because Edgy Tsuburaya was pretty against blood uh, in his kaiju stuff, so that was very odd for that Ultraman episode. But, with that being said, uh, Court, why don't you inform us and the listeners, because none of us knew who you are, what you do... <laughs> Uh, in this podcast world of ours. Yeah, well, my flagship show, Cinema PsyOps, that's my main show. I do that weekly. It releases every Sunday. And uh been doing that for coming up on a grand total of four years right now. I'm on my fourth year and about halfway through that, give or take, depending upon how you do the numbering system. I go by 52 weeks regardless. Most people will count a calendar year, but... Even though some years have more than 52, I just go by 52 and then call it a, a year. I don't know what else other people do for that. Uh, that's at uh, Legion Podcast because I am a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. So legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. I also do a side project show. It's 
not exactly the most reliable thing that we can do because we're so far stretched out across the globe. Like if either of us moves in either direction, we actually are moving closer to one of the other three co <laughs> two co-hosts because like which is in Australia and Boz is in England and I'm in smack dab in the middle of the country in Omaha, Nebraska. And literally if I moved like either direction, I'm moving closer to one and further away from the other. <laughs> I think we have the globe like just kind of split into threes that way. Uh, that's obsessive cinema discourse where we c it's a little more loose format. We just kind of dig into the film and go over every single little tiny detail that you notice and obsess over whether it bugs you or you think it was a really cool thing and just kind of like really get into as much detail as we can about the film and just kind of like rip it apart, but also like also lovingly talk about the things that we liked and disliked that's going on in the film. And we just try to have fun with that one. We tried to do it monthly but uh, schedules have been kind of forcing us to make it every now and then whenever we can do it uh, that's also available on legion podcast as well and this show you're listening to is currently available on legion podcast oh yeah because uh obviously kill the cast is on there which means underwater kaiju from outer space is on legion we don't mess around we're, we're legion around here except for the other guys on the show but whatever me and me and court got this <laughs> legion for life for real trying to represent over here um so yeah uh definitely check out uh corpse shows uh one of my favorite ones i listened to was uh they they do uh pick your own uh childhood uh what what's the word y'all use childhood uh um, bring your own bring cinematic, your own cinematic trauma. trauma there it is yep. bring your own cinematic trauma and the f one of the funniest ones i ever listened to was uh y'all did terror vision with someone and <laughs> i died that shit was hilarious. Oh, yeah. That's our boy, Chris Cologne from uh, Two Strangers, One Podcast. And uh, he had a blast with us, and we had a blast with him, and we've been looking to try and find a way to get him back on the show. Uh, that was a, a, like, everything that's in that recording was literally, like, how we captured it on the day. We didn't go back and do anything, you know, or, or just kind of, like, punch it up or whatever. If anything, I had to clean up some of the spots where we're just, like, laughing hysterically at our own dumb <laughs> jokes just to make the conversation flow better. Like it was so much fun to record. And that's actually one of my favorite episodes that we've recorded as well. We had way so like so much fucking fun doing that one. Yeah, I really enjoyed when you guys did uh, the death wish franchise. Like you guys doing those Charles Bronson impersonations. <laughs> <early Valley. laughs> Through the whole like series it was great. Yeah, that was, that was kind of something our fans were clamoring for because we have been doing Charles Bronson impersonations here and there. And I stupidly, without even like going back and like checking the films again, was like, we're just going to do all the Death Wish to close out year three. And Matt's like, all right, that sounds like fun. And then we watched Death Wish 2 and I had flashbacks of everything else and all the other Death Wish movies. And I was like, oh, Matt, oh, Matt, we fucked up. We fucked up bad. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about rape and degradation of women for like six, seven weeks. <laughs> that, is, that is harsh. But um, so... When we invited Court on here, I uh, I like to, if I'm going to bring someone on, I like to give them the opportunity to pick what they want to do. And I was impressed with what Court had been doing with the Godzilla stuff on uh, Bo Ransdell's Hero Hero Go show. So I was like, Court, what do you want to come on here and do? And I swear to you, I was like, this dude is going to pick something non-Godzilla. Because uh, he's doing all the Godzilla stuff on Bo's. So I'm like, alright, here we go. It's time for Dogara. And he was like, I want to do Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. And I'm like, Really? That's what you want to do? <laughs> Fucking, aren't you going to do that on Bo's show? And he's like, but I want to get into it. And I was like, okay, well, let's, 
<laughs> we'll make it happen. Uh, so I expect this episode to be a little bit deeper than we normally go. Uh, or at least <laughs> Court's going to talk for 75% of it, which is good because normally it's me talking <laughs> way too much. It would be nice to have someone else talk for way too much. I feel like I'm going to be in King Caesar's corner taking punches for him and trying to defend him while he just sits there and does nothing for the whole show. Uh, Derek will be there with you. Uh, Derek has been all week talking about singing the King Caesar song. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I only know like just the one fucking line because the rest of it's an Asian. <laughs> the rest of it's an Asian. <laughs> well, Japanese, you know what I mean. Or Oriental. Oh Christ! <laughs> talking Japanese, talking Japanese. Oh Jesus! Wow. I'm highly offended. I have to take my snowflake ways and go home. <laughs> uh, there is snow in this movie, so I mean it, it works out. Uh, so yeah, we are talking about 1974's Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. This movie holds the first appearance of Mechagodzilla, the only appearance of King Caesar in the Showa period. And the last appearance of Angerus until, like, Final Wars, which is really odd because he was so popular, and then they didn't bring him back at all. I love Angerus. I think he gets the raw end of the stick on a lot of these because every time he gets an appearance, he's getting messed up for one reason or another, even if he's taking all the shots to try and keep Godzilla going for other fights. Yeah, he's either getting his jaw broken or a buzzsaw to the head. Or yeah. something, yeah. It's like Angiris is like the whipping boy. He's like the jobber wrestler of fucking kaiju, man. Like when we did fucking Gigan, he was like, Godzilla's like Sherlock Holmes, and he's like ordering Angiris to go check it out, and he gets attacked by ships and shit. <laughs> I know, it's horrible. <laughs> Poor Angie. I have an Angiris right here in front of me. He's hanging out with me, looking at me. He looks like a puppy dog. <laughs> I like it. So, okay. So we're, we're, we're going to kick this off with getting into what we love about this movie. And I'm going to open it up to Court. Court, what is one thing you love about this movie? I like the opening bit where the Mecha Godzilla is cloaked to look like Godzilla and is basically trying to wreck shit and the aliens are trying to pull some kind of sneaky shit. But immediately, Angiris knows what's up and is trying to call the real Godzilla, being like, somebody's pretending to be you. They're stealing your mojo. Kick his ass. You know, I, I just the way that that intro happens and then the, the actual reveal of when Mechagodzilla's like metal gets exposed from some of the damage and, you know, something weird is up like the first time you watch that and you really don't know what to expect. That's one of those things where, you know, like, like seeing it as a kid when it caught it caught me by surprise like that. I'm like, what the hell's that? What's going on here? Godzilla's metal underneath? What? What's going on? It's I like just... I should have known that from the title of the movie or something. <laughs> In my defense as a kid, I just caught it without even knowing the name of the movie. I just saw Godzilla wrecking shit, and then that was it. And that's the way I caught most of these films. They all kind of jumble together in my head as a kid, because when I watch them, I end up watching them all pretty much in a row anyway. I just marathon them through from start to end. I just like to do that every now and then, like on a holiday weekend, at least once a year. And so, like, they jumble together that way, too. But watch them as a kid. Like, I get uh, Son of Godzilla and, like, Godzilla's Revenge and, you know, some of those other ones all mixed up. And uh, you've you've heard it, Jerry, when we were just kind of, like, messaging back and forth about some of the movies. You're like, no, that was this movie. I'm like, it is? Oh, shit. (laughs) I don't know how you mix up Son of Godzilla and Godzilla's Revenge. One is a piece of shit 
And mm-hmm. one is Jun Fukuda being just like, I'm just going to have a good time and get paid on this island. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's because it's... a lot of the footage is reused, so I confuse the two of them. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, but I mean, the reused footage is like wiped into shit first and then put on there. <laughs> if y'all didn't know, I hate Godzilla's Revenge, a.k.a. All Monsters Attack. I, I, I think it's the worst Japanese uh, Godzilla movie ever made. It's also the first one that I saw, so I kind of give it a little bit of a break for that, you know? Yeah, well, this ain't a Kit Kat, so we don't give it a break around here. (laughs) (laughs) No, seeing seeing the Mecha Godzilla finally get revealed and then just the kind of look on Godzilla's face where he's just like, oh, shit, now this... (laughs) <laughs> I really yeah. kind of dig it. I, so, I don't know. It's it's one of the things that I enjoy the most. No, about you know film. what I think about that too, Court, is, uh, you know, uh, when you first see the Godzilla, when he's, like, dressed up as Godzilla still, it kind of makes you kind of jar an experience, too, because of you think Godzilla is evil again because after this point he was a good guy for a while and you're like, holy shit, what the fuck's going on? But then yeah. when the reveal happens, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, especially considering like the last couple of movies, he's been like a hero and he's been going out of his way to step around buildings when he's fighting or he draws the monsters away to an island because it costs too much to build buildings for them to wreck. And like the first, what, 10 minutes of this film, he just walks through a fucking building and smashes it down like old school Godzilla style, you know, and the way the mannerism, the person that's doing that Godzilla suit work is behaving completely different than what we're used to seeing regular Godzilla. So the whole way through it, Something's off, but yeah, he looks he's doing enough karate like, poses. Yeah, he looks enough like Godzilla to where your brain is kind of like, is that Godzilla? If you don't know what's going on when it's hitting, you know. Yeah, and I yeah, and there's like one scene where he's like holding his fist and moving his arm down, and looks like he's doing about to do the fucking rock bottom. <laughs> like the, the elbow. <laughs> oh my god! All right, uh, Derek, what is something you love about this movie? Uh, just the whole ending battle. It's a, probably the best. Of like two monsters against one, and uh, like a two against one matchup ever. And, Three uh, monsters fight at the end of this. I didn't realize that. I saw one <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> well, you I know, saw one hiding behind Godzilla. There's one in the spotlight losing his religion. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. I just like the whole fight, and you know, like that's just the music going. It keeps you pumped and amped, and uh, just like how Godzilla just uses some mechanisms to kind of weird mechanisms but we'll get more into that maybe a little bit later but i just enjoy it it's fun you know and Fair just like, you know, all the blood and gore and stuff that because you, you never really get to see a lot of well you didn't geigen but it's more like Criolla blood too in this one it's like dawn of the dead like red blood <laughs> yeah all right well this one was kind of the first one to bring in blood because wasn't this one before geigen no this is after no. geigen it is two after years geigen? after yep but yeah. this one feels the bloodiest out of all of them. It like is. it just feels it so yeah. much more violent. Yeah, it's so like Mega Godzilla's mean spirited in the fight too, which I like, and I just like the dynamic that how he uses the fight against the yeah. two monsters and shit. Well, it was a combination of the fact that Jun Fukuda is actually directing it, and Edgy Tsuburaya is not doing the special effects. Those combinations are going to make it way bloodier. And not to mention, too, you've got to um, figure this is going up against Ultraman. And uh, the concurrent series, I think, was Leo, which is uh, the bloodiest one of this, the whole series. Yeah, that's very true. Plus, Gamera movies at the time, 
uh, yeah. throughout the seventies. Gamera movies were below. They were chopping people. There was a spray painted silver gyos that just got chopped up like sushi in one movie. Yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Mr. Venom, what is something you love about this movie? All right. Well, I'm probably going to take the unpopular opinion, and I'm just going to say King Cesar. I I actually love this dude. I yeah. I love. See, I I have a thing for food dogs. It's a it's a <laughs> it's a design that I've always enjoyed, and I actually have contemplated getting a tattoo on more than one occasion of a food dog. And to actually see a giant kaiju who's basically you know a bipedal food dog. Um, you know, he may not be the most effective fighter in the world. But I, I love his design. I love his mannerisms. I think his face is great. It is absolutely amazing with the glowing red eyes and the jewel in the forehead. So, yeah, I, I'm totally on board for King Cesar. Yeah, I, I like He's, him, too. I'm wanna, so on board. He's the only vi- Bandai vinyl toy I have. Nice. I want to I piggyback on that. And he also has one of the most interesting, specific kaiju powers, too where he can absorb energy in one eye and then blast it back out of the other. Like he's reflecting it at them. I think they could have done a lot more with that. Like if him and Godzilla could have teamed up and he could have like focused Godzilla's atomic breath, you know, could yeah. you just imagine Shoot Godzilla like eye. blasting one of his eyes and then him focusing it like a laser beam. At- Wouldn't it have been so cool if they could have done something like that, but they just kind of play with it a little bit when he's facing Mechagodzilla and then abandon that idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you on there because I was watching it and I was like, oh, that's dope. But then, like, Mecha Godzilla just goes complete heavy arms Gundams and just starts unloading missiles and lasers. And King Caesar is like, oh, hell no. I came out to, to throw hands. You over here trying to, to use missiles and shit. I'm from the 1700s. I don't play this stuff. No. <laughs> I'm hiding over here. It's amazing that a creature from the 1700s can actually be awoken by a pop song from the 1960s. I, I don't know how that works. Like, was the family that far ahead of themselves that, like, 200 years in the past, they invented 1960s Japanese pop? Is that how that works? So, King Caesar is the reason for J-pop. All right. That's a new one. Uh, Don, what it's is another something— another reason to like them. Exactly. Don, what is something you love from this movie? Well, um, you know me, I'm the music aficionado of this group, and uh, with all that music talk, we can't go without listening without, uh, listening off that uh, wonderful score. It's one of the best Nanafuku Bay soundtracks in the series. Yeah. I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, they brought back the one good song from Son of Godzilla for the Caesar Mecha Godzilla fight, and then all that brand new theme music that they have is so glorious, it's the only good song in Final Wars. <laughs> well oh, yeah, man what about some 41 that was hitting i know what i said and i stand by it <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> i gotta i still i gotta question one of the songs in the movie uh when mecha godzilla sheds his skin and kind of you know reveals himself to the world why is there swing music playing that that's a straight up swing song. Because he was created by apes, and apes like to swing court. Jeez, jeez, oh, re- man, at the reach. Yeah, they reach for the vine to swing court. Are you Terrible. not paying attention here? Now, why are you yelling at me about this? This is all him, man, not me. <laughs> You're good. Oh. Jeez. Uh, I have no complaints about swing music being used anywhere. I was graduating about the time that that swing revival happened in the late 90s, so I fall for it. I'm a mark for that shit. Oh, I take it back. Venom, how dare you? (laughs) 
I love the drums and shit in It just seemed a little anticlimactic for me. It's like here's the big here's the big reveal. I'm a, I'm a robot. I'm not really Godzilla. Blah blah blah. And it's like you know, stray cats are playing in the background. And it's like what? It, it just it, it took me out of it. I mean, it's rare that a Godzilla soundtrack takes me out of the movie, and that took me out of it. So I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not necessarily saying I hate it. I'm just saying it took me out of it, and I noticed it. Interesting. Uh, so something I love. Is I love when the the human side of the story involves uh, Japanese guys with guns from Interpol. Mm-hmm. That specific combination just gets me there. I, dude, I love that guy's awesome. I love that, that guy. dude is so cool. Like man, him and Diamond Kick should make a like a side movie together. Oh, I want a Diamond Kick movie. Can we make this happen? I'm, I, we can bring both these guys. In fact, the, the second guy with the white jacket looked like he, he was dressed up like a, a Diamond Kick Evil Knievel. I, uh, but I love... Uh, and June Fukuda is mostly known for doing those action crime movies. So one, I love uh, this movie specifically to get that part shoved in, to get the action scenes... And they're all super 70s, like karate uh, chops to the back of the head to knock the guys out. And on top of that, we have this really weird uh, 70s sci-fi, the aliens or monkeys thing going on. And I'm just like, this is everything I want. They took a Planet of the Apes movie, shoehorned it into where they travel back in time to conquer the planet. With a James Bond film and complete with a stalactite that folds open so you can press a button on it <laughs> to open a door. And then they took that and then they wrapped a Godzilla plot around it where these apes are coming from the future or wherever to take over the planet using a mecha Godzilla. I mean, Plus everything, they also, also, everything. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Court. I was, was going to say. say oh, <laughs> sorry. Ahead, sorry. Go yeah. ahead, Court. What are you going to say? I was just going to say everything about this movie just screams like childhood grindhouse, like drive-in cinema for me. Like this is the kind of thing that you would love to see at a matinee and would freak out over <laughs> in the time frame that it came out in. This is a yeah. 10-year-old grindhouse flick is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just going to add on to that. And uh, like they add like this like Dimension, like godlike complex to it too with like the King Caesar character. Yeah, there's a lot of like what you would love about Daimajin is in the King Caesar. And it feels like almost like they wanted to take Daimajin, but give him like a Mothra laziness where like you have to sing to him for like 85 minutes of the film before he'll get up and do something. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Speaking of uh, things we don't like court, what is something you don't like about this movie? I could do with a little less of the professor pseudoscience in this. It got kind of annoying with like that pipe that creates this weird magnetic field because it's a specially manufactured metal. It's, it's made it's out of an element device. that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's I mean it's it's late sixties comic booky thing, so I kinda give it a pass, but like watching it this time around, I'm like, okay, we get it. Can you stop fucking showing him fucking around with the pipe for like five minutes and can we get some more monster fight or something? Fair enough. All right, uh, Derek, what is something you did not like about this uh, movie? Nothing really major. I, I, I kind of piggyback on the pseudoscience stuff. Uh, another thing that some of the, like the, uh, when the apes are transforming into ape form, the, some of the effects kind of look a little more dated than they usually do. 
like when I was a kid, I would be okay with this, but it, it looks kind of cheesy now when they're transforming into the ape form with like the fade in, you know, like effect. Yeah, one hundred percent. Venom. What is something you did not like about this movie? Hmm, that's a tough one. Nothing. There's nothing really overt that I didn't like. I already mentioned the swing song for uh, Mechagodzilla's uh, reveal. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, okay. I'm, let me. I'm just gonna say I don't like these aliens. I'm. I'm. I'm not nearly the fan that you are of monkeys. Uh, I guess they're. Uh, Mr. I don't, don't even like to swing. There you go. So <laughs> you're an ape. It was Asian John Holmes. They didn't have an uh, Asian John Holmes. Eh? But yeah, I don't know. Something about monkeys from space doesn't do it for me. So that phrase alone has me sold on like any movie you want to put down my gullet. (laughs) Monkeys from space. I'm so in Venom. Someone's like monkeys (laughs) from the third planet come to Earth to battle out ancient gods with the giant cyborg. Oh, also fucking Godzilla. You're Uh, not sold on that. I am like, like he has all my money. The Godzilla sold me on it. Yeah, I'm blowing a dude behind Kmart just to go to this movie. I gotta think that Planet of the Apes was a huge influence on making them ape aliens this time around. Oh, yeah. I think think there's a direct... um, There's an interview with Nakano out there that states that they were directly influenced to say, you have to make them apes. I'm... I'm sure that there was there's an interview somewhere where Nakano was specifically stated the studio told them to make them apes. Yeah, have, have any of y'all ever seen the Japanese movie Time of the Apes? Yes, love it. No, haven't Sandy seen it. Frank. Yeah, no, there. Yeah, it's a no. Sandy Frank dub. You can you can watch the Mystery Science Theater version of. Oh man, it's it like Corn Job. <laughs> <laughs> there's somebody named Corn Job. Yes. Well, no, the corn job, that's from Godzilla versus Geryon Mystery Science Theater. No, no, that's that's Time of the Apes. Is it? Because I've watched that a lot. Oh, the you're God- right. They reference corn job in Godzilla versus Geryon episode. Go. Yep, you're I right. Think he, I think he's the cop. Gamera versus, uh, Gamera versus Geryon, not Godzilla. Yeah, there's a Gamera versus uh, yeah. Geryon episode of Mystery Science Theater. Where uh, there's another cop in it, and they call him corn job, and it's a reference to... Time of the Apes. Uh, good times. God, I love that. I, what One of the best Mystery Science Theater episodes ever is that guy, uh, that Gamera versus Geryon. Yeah, their, their Gamera work was really solid. I think that's why they stuck with it for a good portion of the start of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. have you seen the films? Yeah. I think they're... Pr- I think the films had something to do with it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they have okay. their own special charm, even though they're getting ripped apart by them too. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Don, what is something you don't like from this movie? So this is kind of an odd one. Um, for me, it's the entire purpose behind the fight between Mechagodzilla and King Caesar. Now, I, I think, now Venom, I think you're going to understand the most of where I'm coming from with this because it's like a ref- wrestling reference. Mm-hmm. You spend, up until the point of his release, you spend 80% of the film with Dealing around King Caesar, dealing with, you know, the human storyline to try to keep the statue out of the alien's hands and the aliens using the trying to get the statue to prevent him from awakening. So that gives him like the special, the special like importance somewhat to where, you know, it's kind of like, you know, 
the wrestler you know that's going to debut in a month from now where you get all these promos and backstage mm-hmm. vignettes telling you what a big deal he is and then you know he's finally awakened and it's you know debut time he's ready to come out and he goes up against Hulk Hogan where <laughs> he may get one or two lucky punches in but then Hulk Hogan takes over kicks his ass and beats him in 5 minutes yeah. now there's nothing to say that the guy mm-hmm. can't go on from that but then what's the main impression you get the guy lost his debut match in five minutes. So it's kind um, of like, what was the point behind the fight here? Because we already knew Caesar, we already knew Mecha Godzilla's a badass. He ripped Anguirus' jaw off and he made Godzilla bleed. And we've already seen that. Uh-huh. Now, we've never met King Caesar. This is the first time we've ever seen him. He's had all this buildup. He's spent all this time, you know, the majority of the movie's been spent around him. And we don't know anything about him. We don't get any kind of idea of his powers or anything. And he gets his ass handed to him in five minutes. Like, what was the big deal? Why were they so worried about him? Mm. It's almost like he was the, uh, what do you call it? He was the opening act for Godzilla. <laughs> right. And, you know, instead of instead of it coming off to where Godzilla and T- Caesar have to team up to fight him, it's more like Godzilla shows up to save King Caesar from being killed. While he's yeah. buried in rocks, sitting down uh, for a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that was also the problem of the prophecy too, too. So I kind of yeah, but it's get not like because the they said the second monster is going to come. Yeah, but it's not as if you know the two. It's not as if you know Godzilla was really needed. You know, I mean, Godzilla's needed to prevent him from killing King Caesar. Not Godzilla and King Caesar need to team up to stop Mecha Godzilla because Godzilla did the heavy work himself. Ninety percent of the fights with him. So it's not like, you know, the two of them, it sounded like the two of them were needed. Godzilla did most of the heavy work. Caesar just dented his chest plate. Well, I think it's evidence. I mean, everything that you're saying right here, Don, is evidenced by the fact that King Caesar really only appears in one other movie after this. He is a career killer. It's like he goes yeah. up. It's like you said, as soon as he shows up, he's everybody's nonplussed about him and no one really gives a shit and they never bring him back until Final Wars. To which he dies a horrible death like a bad soccer player <laughs> when he gets chucked. So, Yeah. <laughs> wow. King Caesar is a jobber to Anguirus, who is a jobber in the franchise. Yeah. Had yeah. one chance, did nothing with it, and not only took his career down, but killed Anguirus' career also. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that the is... film itself killed both of their, their whole roles as kaiju. It just... it drop their popularity immensely and they never pop up again until pretty much final wars yeah they both don't show up again until final wars where they yeah. get to come and back with the likes of abara <laughs> and the, <laughs> the thing is you know he's got such an amazing backstory you know he's you know a royal guardian you know that's like a title you don't get you don't get with any other giant monster and then you know he's treated like that it's kind of like well you know, it it just makes them doesn't it makes them feel less impor- less important. So yeah, and there's a whole there there's a a whole history of like how this movie came about and what it was supposed to be. Have y'all ever heard about this? Uh, nope. Oh, I if I have, to... I've forgotten it. So please elucidate. Oh, okay. yeah. Let me let me find this thing where it talks about it real quick. Uh, okay. So the concepts of Mechagodzilla and King Caesar were not in the original first draft of this movie. The film was originally titled Giant Monsters Converge on Aqua- on Okinawa Showdown in Zanpa Misaki. That's a title that would have not put butts in seats for yeah. sure. 
uh, and would feature Mothra, yeah. <laughs> Angerus, and a new alien monster called Garugan. Toho had been <laughs> pining to use Okinawa in a film since Tuba's... Fuck me. Subaru Productions obtained permissions from Toho to borrow Godzilla for a film called Godzilla vs. Red Moon, which was never made. As for the showdown in Zanpamisaki script, Mothra was eventually dropped in favor for a new character named King Berugan. Not Berug, not Berugan, Berugan. Which would eventually evolve into King Caesar. Garugan was then dropped in favor of the robotic Godzilla. King Caesar's origins as a guardian monster may also have roots in Okinawa mythology and the aborted Godzilla versus the space monsters, the Earth Defense Command script. Oh, from, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. This. Eventually became Godzilla versus Gigan. I'm pretty sure we talked about it in the Godzilla versus Gigan episode. We did. Uh, the original yeah. story for that film featured a giant statue, Majin Tool. Uh, which comes to life to aid Godzilla. See, there so, was a little bit of a time machine thing there too, where he comes to life. Yep. So it, they basically took a, a what they wanted to do with Mothra with the fucking singing, like I said, and hybrid it with time machine. So that totally makes sense. It feels like that. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. I also want to point out that once again, this is one of our fun uh, Germany releases where Mecha Godzilla is actually called King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> uh because if you don't know, if you've never looked into the history of Godzilla in Germany, <coughs> they constantly either try to fit in a King Kong or a Frankenstein's monster. One of the two. It has to be in there for some odd reason. Uh, so, and with this one, most people believe, uh, especially film historian David Collat, says that he believes that this is influenced from King Kong Escapes, with King Kong finding a mecha- mechanical version of himself. Um, that they did the same thing with this one, much like they did the same thing with Jet Jaguar in Godzilla vs. Megalon, and Jet, ja- Jet Jaguar's King Kong in the suit, <laughs> is in the suit. Um, <laughs> King so, Kong in a mech suit is something I need to see now, guys. I really want to see yeah, that. Me too, man. I, I, am, I am down for it. Uh, let me check real quick if we got any weird names. Because uh, that's one of the other things. If you can find... Uh, a lot of these get really weird names when they go other places. Uh, this one doesn't really have anyone except in Germany. It's King Kong Jinjin Godzilla, or, uh, or King Kong Monster Os Der Tief. Whatever uh, the fuck that means. Uh, why is Frankenstein versus uh, King Kong? That would have been way better. Uh, what well, have you ever got? Have you ever you've heard about that story, right? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. So I'll say that was supposed to happen. Uh, and then, of course, in America, this was first came out as Godzilla versus the Bionic Monster. Warner Brothers was like, nah, bitch, you can't do that. We've got the Bionic Man and the Bionic Woman. You're not having the Bionic Monster. So they then changed it to Godzilla versus the Cosmic Monster, uh, which if you say Cosmic Monster, I'm automatically going to think King Ghidorah because he shows yeah. up in comments. Um, but either way, uh, the thing that I hate in this movie, which is no surprise, is the song. Do not yeah. stop my kaiju movie to sing a song. An entire it, song. An yeah, entire song. Yeah. Oh, how long was that? For that. A song yeah. that literally sounds like a mumble rap song from 2018. It just sounds like you're repeating <laughs> the exact same shit over and over, and you got a banging hook. That's it. I, I don't want to, like, no. I don't want to hear it. I'm not a fan. Do not stop my movie to do that. Um, 
At least it has more lyrics than Matho Raya. Matho Raya. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind the song. I actually kind of like it. I think it's kind of bouncy, but one verse, the chorus, boom, he's awakened. Not all the whole damn thing. Well, they had to do a music video in 1974, and that's the way that they shoehorn it in there is they just shoot it. With her yeah. singing a love song to King Caesar. They, they knew about J-pop early. They also knew MTV was coming. was about to fucking kill over. He's like, come on, get over, wake up already. That dude's my an beard asshole. is weighing down my neck. Can we just get on with it? <laughs> that dude's an asshole, but I bet he has a huge penis. I don't know why, but he does. <laughs> um, Most of us assholes do. That's huge probably why. And, ah, huge so, in general are just huge for any nations. So am I just the exception to the rule then? Because I'm a fucking dick and my penis is just small. Like, uh, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't like to answer these questions. Uh, I, I mean, I'll send you a pic, Derek. No! Oh, okay. It has to be unsolicited. It has to be unsolicited. You guys do not want to be in the Kill the Cast uh, message chat, because one, it's called Dude with Dudes with Nudes. <laughs> <laughs> you do not want to be in that chat. Um, Another thing I want to bring up, I am normally, like, the biggest pro-american dub guy ever and as everyone knows on the show we watch the american dubs we are watching the ones we watched as children later on we'll go back and watch some of these japanese originals and, and kind of go through this but we're kind of you know talking about what we saw as children growing up because it was hard to get uh japanese versions of the movies with subtitles yeah. so this movie on, on the other hand though is one of the worst american dubs um <laughs> just awful there's one character i can't remember his name he's a brother to someone and every time he talks i'm just like don't put a leather jacket on someone and then make them sound like that don't do it (laughs) that is not okay they always seem to do the english dubs in a lot of these particularly the bad ones they always seem to take a character who is supposed to look badass and they give him a voice where he talks like this the entire time yeah but this one like everyone sounded bland Everyone literally sounded like a bowl of white rice. Dude, dudes, the the head alien sounded like a jap, like a chain smoking Marlon Brando with his birthmark. <laughs> He's like, we're gonna use Mega Godzilla. <laughs> oh he sounds God. his most menacing when he gives Mega Mega Godzilla commands too, where he's like, "Now completely annihilate the entire island and destroy King Caesar." <laughs> and bring me home a pack of uh, Newports, please. My birthmark needs them. My birthmark must feed. Okay, someone explain the birthmark to me, because I, I noticed that he was the only one who had that mark in his human form. So for some reason, I thought maybe when he transformed back to ape, that he would be like some kind of exaggerated, like something that would justify having that mark as a human. But Why no, the fuck did he have horns? What is yeah, he, he just had random... from Ernest Gave Stupid. Yeah, he, he just had just random horny. teeth. Um, but I, you know, I, I guess that was supposed to, you know, kind of give you the hint that they're not that there's something wrong with them. But like, as now that I'm older, I'm sitting there like, oh yeah, I'm judging this guy by his birthmark, and I'm like, oh wow, I'm an asshole. <laughs> was that was that real though? Was did he really have that? Was, no, no, it's oh, green yeah, makeup. Yeah, okay. I was making either sure. that I, or I think he was he the same wore... actor in Terror Mega Godzilla too. Yeah, like, he he just alien. decided to walk around with like fake gold on the side of his face for a fucking year, and it turned his face green permanently. <laughs> Jesus, See, that, he, that he caught 
he caught up David Bowie concert and it was like, you know what? One part of my face needs to be gold for the rest of this movie. And they just <laughs> went with it. <laughs> it's probably where he got that gay little gold plate jacket thing he was wearing. Yo, I like I I like uh, these silver outfits, by the way. I'm rocking uh, those. Terrible. No. They, they kind of remind me of like a late 50s idea of a space suit. You know, what you would see in like a Phantom Planet or something like that, where it has to be like this bright reflective metal where everything's made out of foil. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what it looks like. They just strapped them in uh, tin foil. <laughs> a yeah. little bit, yeah. All right, but it's so like let's... it's way too unwrinkly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, so let's 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 break down the uh, monsters we have in this movie. We have four. Uh, so quickly, let's go. Uh, Angerus. He looks good in this movie. Uh, he showed up. He got his ass kicked. He got his jaw ripped. Uh, poor Angerus. I felt bad for him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All that Creole blood and shit coming out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah. I, roll, was... I roll a tear every time he gets his jaw ripped open, especially when he tries to crawl away and just, you know, just mm-hmm. let me be. Uh, you, you've won. I'm going away now. And then he just keeps getting hurt. I'm just yeah. hugging my Angerus toy now and just and petting fucking, him. I feel so bad for him. And he's screaming and shit. It's just yeah. so... It's oh. heart-wrenching. It's so brutal. It's like, is this a rated G film? Why are they uh-huh. showing me this? <laughs> For real. Uh, then we also have uh, King Caesar. So um, we've already kind of talked about how cool King Caesar is, supposedly. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I can't get behind King Caesar. Just like, he just sits down a lot. He's real lazy. Uh, he you might like, have to Fair. To be fair, he just had a four thousand year nap. He's gonna be yeah. a little rusty. Yeah, and he also showed up to a, a gunfight with a knife. So, right. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. is he is labeled as a royal guardian, and guardians sit and guard. He's not a warrior. He doesn't go out looking for trouble necessarily. So, I mean, he's gonna sit ninety percent of the time anyway. Well, maybe yeah, he he's trying to, to go... contain the fight. There, he's not allowing it to go beyond that point. There yeah. You go. He needs to go train with the Imperial Guards from fucking uh, Star Wars. Oh, jeez. Because no rip. A, he might need a new flea collar, too, after that 4,000-year-old nap. Oh, Jesus. Then we Go ahead. I was just going to say, imagine the smell of that guy covered in fur and sleeping under a mountain for 4,000 years or whatever. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, Probably smells smell like my sp- podcasting partner whenever he comes rolling in on a Monday night. There you go. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. That boy needs a royal bath. <laughs> the royal season uh, is clean, your highness. That's a contest I want no part of. <laughs> and I think Matt might actually take him. <laughs> okay, so uh, we also have Godzilla. We have Godzilla in what I call cloudy face Godzilla. Uh, super nice looking, super... Friendly looking. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the look. I don't like cloudy face Godzilla. His cheeks look like they were stolen from like generic chipmunk filled with nuts. Uh, the, mouth. The, the way I look at him, he looks like he has like eternal cotton mouth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like ah, with his mouth open the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, Court, how do you feel about Godzilla in this movie, look wise? I mean, this is kind of the era where they do try to make him a little more friendly, like, you know, for kids to be able to look at. And it's a real dopey look for, like, the last, what, three or four movies of this series for this era, for the Showa. And while this one doesn't feel the absolute worst to me, it's also not the best out of all of them. I I feel 
it's I think the only one that's even worse is the one that looks like he was made completely out of velvet. <laughs> Where like Which he doesn't even that? have like... talking about raids again? No, I think that's Megalon. Yeah, it's one of the ones where the outfit just looks like velvet. It doesn't even look like they did any latex work at all. It just looks like a velvet suit. And I think that might be Megalon. Uh, it's funny because this is the same costume. <laughs> but maybe it's just the way they shot it then because you can actually see the scales and everything. And in that one, he does. He looks like he's like crushed green velvet. Like he's like a pajama suit with a Godzilla mask on top of it. But but this one, I mean, they, they at least filmed it well. And the, the scales and stuff show up a little bit better. The suit moves pretty pretty well for me in this. I mean, he was able to do some very physical stuff. Uh, oddly enough, I hate to say it, but I think the suit that they did for Mechagodzilla pretending to be Godzilla even looks a little bit better, and it's probably even the same suit, but they probably painted yeah, it, it a little it bit is. Well, there's two different costumes. Um, the majority of scenes when it's just Mechagodzilla by himself, that's actually the same costume that Godzilla is. But when they go to the two... It's in the uh, fighting scene at the complex. There's a second attraction. There's a second costume that they use. Okay, okay. that makes sense. Well, yeah, the Godzilla there's... costume where there's the two of them together and it's the Mecha Godzilla with the metal coming up underneath. That one actually looks better to me than the main hero Godzilla suit in this film for some reason. I don't know if it's just my personal taste or what. Maybe it's because he's a little darker in the scales and then the sort of metallic look to his spines. I really dug. I don't know. Yeah, Fair I can enough. see that. Yeah. Uh, I need to bring up this uh, random magnetic power he just evolved into. That's like <laughs> that fucking thing that King Kong had in fucking King Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> it was like crazy. Well, yeah, and he's supposed to be weak to lightning in King Kong versus Godzilla, and now he's using lightning to become magnetic. Uh, you never know what Godzilla though. Some days he could fly in fetus form and. Other days, he can ride <laughs> on his tail like a skateboard to drop kick people. Uh, and it is when he has magnetic power, which I was just kind of like, y'all literally couldn't figure out another way for him to win besides magnetic power. Yeah, I think they gave up towards the end of this film. It feels like they really just were like, fuck it, he's magnetic. <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> I I agree with that. Uh and let's also talk about Mecha Godzilla. Uh now, there are three forms of Mecha Godzilla and I'm going to go around. I want to know which form is your favorite. For me, uh, 74 75 Mecha Godzilla is my favorite out of the Mecha Godzilla forms. Uh Court, what's your favorite? Definitely this one 74 75. Uh final full reveal metallic blowing off all the missiles and just fucking Godzilla's day up that that is the best you'll ever get for Mecha Godzilla that's why I picked the movie true uh Mr. Venom uh yeah OG 74 love it all right Derek OG 74 uh with wow. uh Millennium coming in second yeah Kiro is pretty badass uh Don yeah I actually have uh favorites for all three of them depending for specific situations in terms of looks it's cure you for me okay fair enough uh, as long as everyone agrees the worst is the heisei one let's be honest <laughs> yep bitch looks like a power ranger it looks like a dinosaur uh, yeah spoiler alert the only thing i like about that one is the theme song spoiler <laughs> alert uh yeah. rodian's the only good thing about that movie um <laughs> I think I talked about it on the last episode because I had just watched it and I was bitching about it. 
We'll save that for the show. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. save that. Uh, so I'm going to go around now and give an open table. You can say whatever you want about this movie, whatever you want to get through. Uh, Court, what else do you have to say about this movie that you just, you have to get it off your chest to reveal your shiny inside? I'm going to make a re- like a reference to a really ancient meme that no one will probably get, but I'm going to do it anyway. Leave King Caesar alone! He's had a very <laughs> difficult time. Just stop it. Just leave King Caesar alone. Wow. Yes, sir. That I thought you were gonna like bring up like some Gilgamesh shit. Uh, I thought we were wow, going King's... way, way back. Wow, bringing a Britney Spears on a on a Godzilla podcast. That's a first. Because oh, Britney Spears got her career in there. So yeah. There you go. Britney Spears saw this and was like, I want to be that chick. (laughs) (laughs) But in all seriousness, though, I really feel like King Cesar deserves a better shake than what he got. And I think Don nailed it when uh, we were discussing it earlier as just the way that they debut him. He just gets his ass handed to him and it just basically short shortened anything that they could have done with him. And they dropped him from here on out. And I think that's really kind of a bummer. Uh, That's like my biggest takeaway from the film is. I wish I could have seen more with him. I wish he would have got up and done a little bit more. Uh, other than that, I love this movie from beginning to end, and that's why I picked it. I mean, just the explosions that happen with the Mecha Godzilla attacks and everything are just really off the chain, and it's a really done film, well done film. Yeah, June Fudu really does know how to film action, and one of the things they they had said they wanted to do with this movie was they wanted to make it more exciting and make it faster, especially with the monster fights. That's why you have so much of the camera changing angles constantly. That's why you, you have the, the, when, uh, the apes get their hideout exploded, the literally, the explosions sound like someone is just DJing and they're just doing skips, like just (laughs) restarting every explosion sound. It is ridiculous. It is. It's Uh, fucking awesome. Uh, Derek, what do you have left to say about this movie? Actually, the second Godzilla film I ever seen when I was younger. Uh, I actually owned three different VHSs with all the same different titles that we all mentioned: the Cosmic Monster, Bionic Monster, and the OG title. And uh, yeah, I love this movie. It's super fun. It still holds up. Like some of the effects shots are outdated, but. If you show this to like a young kaiju fan, they'll fucking love it, especially with all the explosions and a lot of shit going on, just to keep them interested. It's super fun, highly recommendable Godzilla film. I love it. All right, Mr. Venom, what do you got? Uh, I'm right there with Psyops, man. I I love this movie. I I think Caesar gets uh doesn't get the respect that he deserves. I understand that on screen he may not be the badass that he's described in the pro that he's described as in the prophecies. But I like I said, I I personally love his design. Um, you know, I I basically love that he's a bipedal foo dog. Absolutely, just love his look. Um. <laughs> I, I liked his ears whenever he thought he heard something in the background. Very, you know, how it, they kind of sprouted straight up. I totally love that. So, yeah, you know, he has a little bit of dog in him. So I, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, yeah, beginning to end, this movie's fun, man. There's uh, there's no annoying human kids to take you out of the movie. Always a uh, plus. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with this movie, they, they replaced the annoying kid with an annoying song. But whatever. It's it's. 
technically it's not the worst song I've ever heard, but I'm on board. You know, I'm with Jerry that there's no need to take five minutes out of my Kaiju movie to, you know, to, to have to listen to this entire song. And then literally when she sings the final note of the song, then he wakes up. It's like, no, that's generally not how things work, at, at least not backwards with a lullaby. You know, people <laughs> generally, you know, they'll fall asleep halfway through or whatever. But yeah, so that that bothered me having to sit there and basically watch a glorified Celine Dion music video <laughs> just to get to Caesars. So you know, d- despite any negative things I said today, this is uh, this is by far one of my favorite Godzilla uh, kaiju movies in general that we've discussed on the show so far. Absolutely love it. And uh, yeah, highly recommend it. This is definitely one that uh, all the beginner kaiju uh, folks need to see. So, yeah, highly recommend. All right. And Don. Uh, yeah, I'm perfectly on board with what they with they've said. Um, one last thing. I know I mentioned that I have a favorite of for every category for each of the three Mecha Godzillas, and I want to say this for Mecha for this Mecha Godzilla. My favorite tactic is his reliability, because you look at the other two Mecha Godzillas. What happens? Godzilla fried sent the electric pulse up the cables in the '93 one, fried it out, didn't work. The Kiryu one. He, Godzilla roars, the thing turns unresponsive. What happens here? He takes Godzilla to the limit. You know, he makes him bleed with an explosion. He's still got enough strength left to fly home without any kind of, you know, stabilizers. It's just Mechagodzilla return to base. And then you realize what kind of battle, the battle tactics that he has. You know, beat Godzilla to death. And he manages to come up with, you know, varying battle tactics. Like, you notice what happens in the battle with King Caesar. I know I mentioned the point behind it, but within the confines of the fight itself, you realize three different times he fired the I-beam, it got fired straight back at him. So what did he do afterwards? He switched straight to missiles. He was able to, he was able to be reliable enough to figure out what was going on on the spot. And the only reason he got destroyed was not through his own means or anything that Godzilla did, but by the the interaction of the Interpol agents who were there at the base, we never talked about them, but that was the only reason why Godzilla was able to win. And, you know, it just speaks to how great a design and how reliable they built the thing. So, All right. Uh, so I got, I got a few things. Uh, first of all, Mechagodzilla, when we say fisting, the mouth is the wrong hole. <laughs> Let's go ahead and clear that up now. Um <laughs> Maybe uh, not how you party, Jerry, but still. Okay. Uh, I am going <laughs> to get court drunk for a blowjob because apparently this is himself in my mouth. Uh, no, I just dear... am a huge fan of <laughs> just before Don, that's all. Okay, you just like uh, want a mandible claw, everyone, like mankind. Just let me get my fingers in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> that's my thing. I want to jam my freaking arm down everyone's throat. Sorry. Uh uh, dear country of Hungary, go fuck yourself. Uh, how dare you finally get a Godzilla movie in 1989 in your horrible cinemas, I'm assuming. It's it's this great uh, movie that's action and sci-fi and giant monsters and fisting. And, and it does so bad and you have such an unfavorable uh, reception to this movie 
that you don't get a that we literally do not give you another Godzilla movie until you get the American 1998 Godzilla movie. Oh God! Which Yeesh. you then apparently liked. So, yeah. to Hungary. Uh, it was directed by Emmerich, so that makes sense. He's German. <laughs> uh, Hungary, go fuck yourself. You were in Hungary during 1989. We got beef. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I had to get on my soapbox and, and, and take care of that real quick. Um, I, I don't really have too much more to add from what they've said about this movie. I do agree. This is one of the easiest show of movies to watch. It is so fast-paced. Everything's going on. You do have a couple of lulls when it gets a little too science-y or a little too songy. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, this is a go- this is a great ending for Jun Fukuda's uh, career in the Godzilla franchise. I'm a huge fan of the movies that he did do in the franchise. I know he always got kind of the lower budget ones, but he always makes the human action just as interesting as the monster action. Yeah. Yeah. They've struggled with that so much before him and so much after him too. Yeah. He gets it. He, he nails that. Cause you even have movies that he did where it's not like huge gangsters or anything. Like I can sit down and watch Godzilla versus a sea monster anytime. It is a joy to watch because I care about the human characters. It, there, there's enough action to keep me going. Like there, that's just one thing Jun Fukuda brought to the series that I agree. Everyone else has had some trouble with. He should have directed Final Wars. All I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Could have probably have, like lost all of that Matrixy stuff that just drags on forever in that one. Yeah, Ugh. and I hate the Matrix. Jeez. So Final Wars, we got problems. Um, but either way. Still, one of the best movies in the Showa series that you should be watching. This is the one you sit down to just have fun. This is one that get a couple of beers, get a couple of doobies, get a couple of whatever cinema puts in his mouth. Uh, I don't know, court just puts things in people's mouths, but whatever it is, get that also. Go ahead and bring that to the table. That tends uh, to distract people from the film, so we save that for once the movie's over. Oh, well, I, I usually just get it going during the movie. I mean, I, got, I only need one eye to see the movie and one ear. Who cares what the other <laughs> eye and ear is filled with? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Jerry's, Jerry's really leveraging this show to try and get me to come visit him to party with him, it seems. Wow. Hey, Bo lives in the same town as I do. <laughs> just say, I'm just saying, if you want to come to the heart of Legion, it's right here in Nashville. <laughs> You've oh, got because yeah. you, you also have uh, um, I'm blanking on his name. One of you will know it. I feel bad right now. Uh, from Helming Power Hour, not Ricky Morgan. Ricky. He lives, no, Ricky Danny? lives cl- close. Danny. That's it. I kept wanting to say uh, uh, Daniel, and I knew Daniel wasn't cr- completely correct. So there we go. Danny. Danny also lives uh, here in the Nashville area, and then close to us we also have uh. Jeffrey X. Martin. He lives close. Somewhat X. close. He's like in two hours. And yeah. Rick isn't Ricky Morgan's out there, isn't he too? Yeah, he's he's within like two hours, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is where it's at. You come to Nashville. We got we got the stuff. We'll, we'll take you to full moon cinemas. Uh <laughs> no no relationship to Full Moon and Charles Brand. 
by the okay, way. Okay. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say that's not a selling point for me anymore. Yeah, no, <laughs> not that. Uh, I'm not going to take you there and try to sell you uh, original factory uh, wizard, wizard video VHS. reprint cases. Huh. Uh, okay. So with that being said, if we have not convinced you to watch Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, I'm really not sure why you're listening to this show. Uh, uh, Seriously, I'm not even going to thank you for listening. I'm really confused right now. Uh, And here we now move on to the Ultraman report. All right. So Ultraman episode eight, the lawless monster zone, nine, four, 1966. So here we have a, another episode that uh, if you're watching the DVD, bad audio quality, uh, but it seems to happen on almost all of them that have to jump between uh, the English dub and inserting the Japanese uh, missing scenes. So if you're watching with us at home, uh, you're not crazy. Your DVD's not broken, and uh, <laughs> the Green Fairy is lying to you. So uh, here we have the Science Patrol heading to an island to check on a lost expedition, and. Uh, we see two monsters fighting. One of these is important because he is the Red King. And he is uh, related to Andre Toulon and was eventually turned into a puppet for Puppet Master. He was. Um, That's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching it. <laughs> uh, and he shows up a lot. He, he, is a, he is a big kaiju when it comes to the Ultraman world. He is. So he's fighting another monster no one cares about. It's a bat monster. His name is uh, Chandora. Chandora, yeah. I'm just going to go to Dom when I need these things because he always fixes me on these. Uh, So we have Science Patrol seeing the monsters, but they can't do anything about it. They can't fire because they don't know where the team that they need to rescue is. So they land at the observatory and find out that it is wrecked. Just completely wrecked. And, uh... This is when you really start noticing how bad the audio is. Uh, Then we see Fuji sees a spider. And she is scared of spiders. But Ido is like, chill out. Spiders are cool. Because Ido's cool. I want you all to know that. Uh, So they they decide to go search the jungle. They're finding items all over the place. But it seems to be leading them into a path. And um, there's, there's two separate teams here. You've got Team Fuji. Which is Fuji, Arashi, and Ito. And then you've got team uh, Captain Hay- Hayata. Because that's Captain and Hayata. Uh, they cannot contact each other because there is some kind of radio interference. That is keeping them from contacting each other over the radio. And uh, at this point, a plant vine attacks Fuji and Ito. And Hirashi has to blast it with a ray gun. Now this monster also has a name. Don, do you know what the name is? There's a name for the plant monster? Yes. Okay, I pulled it up. Yes. <laughs> It's Sunflan. Sunflan. Yes, that vine monster has a name. It is Sunflan. I don't know why, but it is. So Sounds then we like jump to... Vegan. Yeah. Can I get some Sounds Sunflan? Uh, you would say that, you fucking California motherfucker. Oh, I thought you were going to go... I thought you were going to go with Latino. Uh, wow. I mean, I, I was trying not to make those jokes at you because I know how offended you get which is offensive hey. to me that hey, you as long as seem... you call it, as long as you use the right derogatory term then we're good just don't call but, me mexican but that's the thing you're like don't call me mexican you can call me derogatory terms but don't call me mexican there you go <laughs> like what <laughs> that is weird yes it is uh anyway 
So Hayata and the captain run into another monster. This is a giant lizard rock thingamathing. Uh, Don? Magular. Magular. Uh, which is also the uh, my name, my rap name. Okay, MC Magular. <laughs> Don't make me throw disses at you. I thought it was MC Matango. It is, uh, no, Matango deserves too much respect. I'm not going to... I, I was drunk one night and I wrote a diss to like uh, Bill Casanelli because I thought we were all about to get into these rap disses. And I'm not going to lower Matango's <laughs> honor by a rap diss towards fucking uh, Big Bill. Nice. Um, so anyway, uh, this is not the time for monster zoo jokes, Hayata. Jesus, people are dying, possibly. Uh, so Hayata eventually throws a grenade after his captain tells him eight times to do it. Uh, but he gets smacked in the head by the tail of the monster and gets knocked down. Now... He becomes a dummy. Yeah, he becomes a dummy. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. He's dying. Uh, so we go back to the Fuji clan, who are resting at a pond when they meet Pigmon, who is also a very important kaiju in the Ultraman world. I don't know why, but he is. Apparently, they like uh, red uh, coral that has penis for fingers. I don't, I don't, <laughs> they just, they just do. <laughs> um, so Arashi finds a handkerchief that's got some names on it. He believes the monster is leading them to the survivor. So Arashi goes after the monster and Fuji decides, Fuji and Ido at first are like, no, we're going to go back to captain. Then they're like, no, we're going to follow Arashi. He's got the gun. He's got the big gun. So they catch up. Ido calls Arashi fat, which is, that's fucked up. Ido. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know you're the comic relief of the show, but, bro, Arashi is really stressed out, and he is trying to work on his figure, and you're just going to call him fat? Homie, chill. He saved you from the vine monster? Yeah, for real. Uh, so then they're like, we've got we've to mark uh, Pigmon with a pink balloon, because, you know, it's really hard to follow a giant fucking red sponge through the green forest. We need to attach a pink balloon to it. I'm confused like, yeah. about the size of Pigmon. Uh, how how, how big is he? Hey, he's human size. Okay, okay, yeah. That's what I, okay. Yeah, they say he's supposedly about three, three and a half feet, maybe. I gotcha. Good, good. He's tall enough for you to, for you to have sex with. Um, yeah. So <laughs> uh, they follow uh, penis fingers, and they they find the survivor. And he's telling them that Pigmon's been helping him, but at night he keeps uh, treating him like King Zizar, and he's Mecha Godzilla, and he's just putting it in his mouth with his fingers. Uh, okay, that that part's that part's not true. I'm I'm lying. I'm sorry. Uh, but Red King shows up, and he just starts throwing rocks at poor little Pigmon, and Arashi and Ido are like, "We got you, bro." They start pulling out. Uh, guns and they're they're shooting at him and Red King's like I really don't care I'm gonna keep throwing rocks at Pigmon, um, and then we get this sad scene of the balloon flying away. So they oh. shoot the balloon and it blows up in Red King's face, which somehow turns him into Yongri and he just starts dancing for no reason. I don't I don't understand the connection with uh, things Was this in the their coke. I don't know, but just like Yongri, something happens to his face. And he just starts dancing. <laughs> I don't. I, Court, have you seen Yongri? Yes, it's been a long time though, but I know the joke you're making okay, about him dancing. Yeah. Keep keep it a long time. 
<laughs> so I think Cap- the last time I watched it, it was an MST3K thing that I watched it on our Rift Tracks, maybe. Uh, did and I think they did it on the new. They did it's it on the, the new, new season. season. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the last time I watched it, and that was probably what made it tolerable this time. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. mad at them right now, so I don't want to talk about those guys. Oh, they made Fair me. Enough. They made me angry. Um, oh, you know what? No, fuck this. I'm talking about. It. Hold up a second. Pause. Uh, if you're gonna do a Kickstarter. And you have Kickstarter exclusive stuff. Do not make me pay an ass load to get it just for you to sell it later down the road for $15. That will make me never support your Kickstarter again. So I had to make sure I paid enough to get this repti- to get the get the episode on VHS. I wanted. It. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I I wanted it. And then like 2 weeks ago they're like Hey, we've got all this stuff left over. Who wants to buy it for $15? And I'm like, really? Well, really? if it's left over, I mean, what are they uh, going to do with it? Uh, they can give it away, put it in the round for the next people, give it to other Kickstarters. Right. But it is supposed to be, if you say this item is a Kickstarter limited edition, That's you true. do not need to be selling okay. it at a Kickstarter. I'll give you that. That's It's a personal pet peeve of mine. I'm that. sorry. Uh... Also, Kenneth just sent me images in my text messages, and I don't want to open it because I'm pretty sure it's someone naked. Aye. Uh And it might be Ooh. him. Well, we, don't, but we don't know. Uh, so it's he, always 50-50 that it's a female. <laughs> uh, with, him and, with him and Jay, it, it gets hard to tell because they'll get into just sending each other like pictures of random big naked ladies constantly. I do. Uh, yeah, they, they like them real thick and juicy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, they, Ito shoots a flare up, Captain sees the flare shots, and he tells Hayata, who finally has woken up from his nap, that he's gonna, that he's gotta go, Hayata's like, just go ahead, and for the first time ever, Hayata is in a, in a, in an opportunity to use the beta capsule, where he won't look like he's just a lazy part of the team, because most of the time, it's just like, oh, man, Hayata either gets hurt a lot, or just disappears randomly, does he have a coke problem or something? <laughs> like he's a really bad employee uh so but hayata has to find the beta capsule he finds the beta capsule then he tries to grab it from ledge it almost falls but he gets it he turns it on which means it's time for the fight scene and with that i hand it over to you mr Doninelli. all right as red king continues to approach the hideout Ultraman flies in from behind and drop kicks Red King face first into a nearby rock outcrop. Scoring off with his new challenger, Red King charges straight at Ultraman, who passes him by and he falls headfirst into another rock outcropping. Ultraman signals he's ready to fight as Red King removes a large rock from nearby and prepares to hurl it at Ultraman, who instead hits the specium ray blast on the rock, causing Red King to drop it right on its foot. Howling in agony, Ultraman uses the opportunity to move in for a series of chokeholds and chops on the creature before flinging it into a rock outcrop. Dazed and disoriented, Ultraman neck flips Red King over once more and the creature collapses for good as Ultraman stands tall and flies away. Okay, I got something to say here. One, if you're going to give me, like, three giant monsters and at the end of it you're just going to give me this one tiny... Uh, light doesn't even flash on his chest fight, I'm kind of upset. (laughs) Like, it's not a bad episode or anything, but I'm kind of upset at the weak fight in this. Um, 
But anyway, so let's end it real quick. So they're all at the end. We see them all standing on a hill uh, with three crosses to represent the three people that are dead, and they leave, and they never tell us the fate of poor little Pigmon. I think we're supposed to assume he's gone, right? I mean, they showed his eyes closed. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing so. I don't like I, at the end of this episode. I was like, okay, so what about the other two monsters that we're fighting? Are they just chilling now? Uh, do we just now never, this is now a monster island and we don't come back to it. Is Pigmon dead? Uh, is Ultraman, is that his skin or is he wearing a suit? What is, does Ultraman, if it's a suit, what does Ultraman look like under the suit? <laughs> it's the Muscle same flesh. thing. The, the suit is like body paint. So it's exactly the same, whether it's on or off. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure that's his skin. Cause like, even when they give Ultraman tits later on, like it's still like, looks like it's supposed to be their skin but i'm not 100 percent sure because mm. i'm like does ultraman have a penis does he not <laughs> do you want to, like how does how do they uh mate how do they give he has a red rocket is there an ultra woman yes yeah oh there's several of them actually yeah. oh nice yeah uh, eventually they had to add some sex appeal <laughs> uh oh, yeah Okay, so now I'm going to go around and let everyone get a say about how they feel about this episode. And, of course, since he's our guest, we're not going to start with Court. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Venom, what did you think of this episode? I I legitimately like this episode a lot. I, I like the variety of kaiju. You know, it wasn't just one, you know, bad-looking kaiju that I have to sit and watch for 25 minutes. I mean, you got some variety. Um, you know, I, I kind of like the bat. Um, kaiju, I forgot their names, Don. but the one who gets his, oh uh, uh, yeah, the one who gets his armor Chandora. off. Yeah, Chandora. I even liked him, even though he has a short appearance in the episode. But yeah, I mean, a good, good, good amount of kaiju. Maybe not the greatest final battle by any stretch, but um, the uh, the human element didn't annoy me in this episode at all. I was actually totally on board for the whole. Um, you know, the, the scientists and the search for the scientists and everything. And then all the obviously all the creatures that they encountered between the vines and Pigmon and everything else. Yeah, this, in my opinion, this is a solid episode, probably pretty close to one of my favorites so far. All right. Uh, Court, what did you think? I actually really enjoyed this one. The parts that did involve the Space Force when they're wandering around the island, they feel a lot less bumbly than I remember them being watching this you know earlier on in my life okay, this is not they, they don't work for trump it's not a space force it's a science patrol <laughs> science patrol <laughs> sorry sorry i i knew i had a made-up uh, faction somewhere going on science patrol right but they don't feel as bumbly as i remember them being as a kid and we were kind of talking about it earlier this is definitely way more bloody than i remember any ultraman episode i'd ever seen before uh particularly where that batwing gets ripped off and how the the battles are happening and there's blood actually flowing out of these monsters. I found that rather intriguing and interesting. And a lot of the stuff that the space patrol or the science patrol is doing in this episode feels a lot to me, like the sort of Tom Baker era or Peter Davidson era, Dr. Who, where they're actually exploring, they're being relatively cautious, but their natural curiosity and wonder at this new Island that they're checking out while looking for the distressed scientists that got left behind kind of gets the better of them when the plants sneak up on them and attack them. Uh, so I really kind of enjoyed seeing that aspect of it as well. I didn't have a problem with the little mini like monster guy that was kind of leading them around. I'm just glad he didn't like become part of the crew. 
because then I probably would have shut off the episode. <laughs> Derek <laughs> would have like, loved it. He would have been like, yes, we have our own Godzuki. Yeah, that's I was like, I had Godzuki <laughs> nightmares starting to develop. And the Ultraman battle was short. It felt it felt kind of cheap. Like, you know, I felt shortchanged there, too, Jerry. I do agree with you there. But the monster battles at the beginning of the episode padded that out for me to where I knew that if I was going to get any Ultraman in this episode, it was just going to be light and it's going to be him to save the day like it happened at the end. So pretty much what I was expecting to have happen at the end of the episode after that major battle happened. And I didn't feel disappointed. And I'm actually glad that this is one of the better ones that you guys covered that I got to watch with you. That's very true. Derek. Yeah. Like we all said, we all were disappointed with the actual Ultraman fight battle, but Overall, there's a lot of great action that happens within it. It's a fast-paced episode, more fast-paced than your usual Ultraman episode that we have covered so far. Like, the first few minutes is a fucking kaiju battle, and you see a fucking kaiju get his fucking arm ripped off. It's fucking amazing. Y'all down with that? Yes. Yeah. You know, it's fucking awesome. You know, and, like, the pigman shit, he's cool. I didn't get the idea of, like, a fucking little attachment that shoots a fucking balloon. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is this, the Joker? What does Ido become, like, an Asian Joker? <laughs> what the fuck? That was odd, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a little oddness, but overall, it's a super fun episode and a little more action-packed than the ones we have covered, so I like it, you know? It's awesome. All right, and Don? Yeah, um, I'm exactly like them. It may actually be my favorite of the episodes we've covered, even with my second to least favorite Ultraman fight. Uh, this ranks just behind uh, the fight with Greenmons in terms of how how much I like it, how much I hated it. It's just, you know, an Olay, a neck flip, a, you know, it's... I mean, you know, a drop kick and Ole, a uh, chokehold, and then he breaks his back, and it's like, okay, fight's over. So, yeah, that's kind of underwhelming. But like Court said, you get the the fight at the beginning, which is a lot more involved. You know, that's a back and forth battle, and then you know you get the dealings with Magular, and that's kind of like another big little section of the episode. So it's kind of, you know, you got enough to counterbalance a weak fight. And, you know, it's fast-paced. It's interesting. There's just not much to dislike about this episode. It's a, you know, mm-hmm. you know, fun, fast-paced, browsing adventure. And All right. Uh, as for me, uh, the one thing that I, I like in an Ultraman episode is I want it to feel fast. I want it to, I, at no point do I want to stop and be like, man, I wish they'd hurry up and go on. I want them to. I want this to go. I want it to be fast. I want there to be a sense of adventure, and I want there to be action. Now, while I am disappointed at the ending fight, y'all are right. We did get another kaiju on kaiju fight earlier, and that does kind of even it out. Because normally we have to wait till the very end to just get one fight. So to start off with a fight and then get another fight at the end, very good. This is definitely a high-ranking episode. Uh, even if Ido is the biggest jerk ever in this episode. Uh, I'm going to go back to a few episodes when he got that black eye and say he deserves another one. Um, <laughs> but the, yeah, this was definitely a high ball, especially after the last episode where like Ultraman literally was almost useless. He didn't even win the fight either. So at least he won this fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it's kind of like, eh, may, eh, I'm not really super feeling it. Um, but yes, this episode is actually really good. 
great sense of adventure. I love when when they actually have to go out somewhere and it's and it's like it's out there. It's I don't know. I really liked it. I liked all the monsters. Uh, this episode was definitely a bit more vicious, trying to keep up with uh, the TV trends, I guess. So, with all in all, this is definitely a high episode. And that concludes uh, the... Oh, wait. Oh, we didn't talk about the monsters. Hold up. Uh, so, let's, let's run it down. What I'm going to just ask everyone what their favorite monster from this episode is. Once again, Court, you're our guest, so I'm starting with Derek. Go ahead. <laughs> King. I think he's... I like his little head. He's so cute. <laughs> he's so cute looking, and then when he shows his face up for playing, he's like, oh, drooling. <laughs> I don't, I, wow. Uh, Court, what was your favorite monster? I really dug the man-eating vines the, that kind of snagged the people, the way that they just kind of were there all of a sudden and just started attacking. It was really cool, and it had a very, like, uh, night Day of the Triffids kind of thing going on, so oh, I dug yeah. it. Dixon Day of the Triffids. Yeah, I dig that. Two man, yeah, I like the line. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jerry, as AKA Cortez. As... <laughs> um, I, I, I was really digging on Magular. Um, I liked his design. Uh, I know he didn't really fight at all in the episode, so we have no idea what kind, you know, how how bad he is. But I mean, you know, you could leave it up to someone's imagination since he didn't really do a whole lot. So I'm gonna take it as he's such a badass, nobody wanted to fight him. Fair enough, Don. Yeah, I'm kind of with uh, Jerry on uh, Magular too. You know, another variation of the Baragon costume, much like Naranga was earlier. So that's kind of a big plus on my end. Um, I have feelings we'll see Red King later on, so I'll shoot my vote for him then. But as of right now, Magular. All right, and of course, you know I'm going with old penis fingers. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I actually really dig, uh, Chandora. I kind of want to see more of Chandora, Chandora, uh, Dora the Explorer. Uh, Is it the bat one? Yeah, the bat one. I like, I like bat creatures. Uh, if anyone read, um, the Dark Horse Godzilla comics, they had an awesome bat kaiju. I'll have to dig out the comic book and take a picture and send it to y'all. It is awesome. Nice, nice. Um, so I'm I'm with uh, Shandora. I think I could take I think I could take her back home to meet the mother. Uh, so yeah, that is <laughs> the Ultraman report. Thank you for joining us for that. And with that being said, it, it is about time to get out of here. You, y'all have gotten your visions from Monsterlands in the form of audio because we don't need to make sense. Um, <laughs> we would like to give a huge shout out for Court coming over and joining us. On our very, as our very first special guest. Yeah, man. Definitely. It's yeah. great. Yeah, thanks so much. Definitely uh, one off the bucket list. Whatever that means. I'm, whatever that's I'm, worth. Well, I'm, I'm like podcasting dreams right now. I love your oh. show, so it's great to have him on. Oh, go on, guys. Tell me how wonderful I am. Come on. <laughs> I even love the new intro, man. It's fucking awesome. It's all sleazy and shit. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That's exactly what I was going for. So thank you very much for that. No, I'm I'm glad to actually be a part of you guys' show. I've been listening to this since you've joined Legion Podcast Network. Uh, and the when the Underwater Kaiju got started, I was super excited because I didn't actually realize how many Godzilla fanatics really were out there because it's not something that a lot of us horror folks really talk about as much. So just knowing that people had a love for Kaiju that I have out there, you know, even more so made me extremely happy. So being invited on to just 
talk my pick of a Godzilla film. Come on, you guys made it absolutely no question why I was going to do it. You know, this is a total blast, and I hope we can do it again soon. Of Definitely. course, man. Anytime, Definitely. anytime you're having the itch. Uh, well, obviously, uh, when we do uh, Dijamon, you're coming on. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. I'll, yeah, Dijamon or Dijamon, however you want to pronounce I, it. I love those movies. They're really interesting and fun. I can't pronounce anything in Japanese. I usually just let Don <laughs> do it for me. I just, yeah, I, I go by what I've heard other people pronounce it as, so that I can at least blame them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> That's what I do. Don, That's you're supposed to be the expert. What do you mean? I, That's I what usually you do. do it too. <laughs> That's the secret to my success. I just take care of what else I said. Anyway, uh, so thank all of you for coming on. And once again, you can check out Cinema Psyops and Obsessive uh, OCD. What the fuck is it? Obsessive I, Cinema Discourse. Obsess. I was gonna say obsessive dismissive uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> and I just fucked that all up. Uh, go it can check be out. A dismissive sometimes, so you're not wrong, there, yeah. Jerry. <laughs> on, on Legion podcast. Uh, now, usually before we go, and we're gonna do this again. So, Court, you're gonna be able to do it then. We actually like to talk about what we have coming up on the upcoming shows. Now, keep in mind, Cortez's might be like three hours long. So we usually <laughs> let him start. So, Mr. Venom, uh, what is what do you got coming out on your shows? Well, believe it or not, I just started another podcast. God damn with, it! Uh, yeah, uh, this one's going to be with my friend Mike Merriman. From... Wait, this is this is the replacement, though, right? Yes, is there? Okay. Well, I mean, I I wasn't on the original, so technically it's new for me. Uh, so basically, um, if you guys know the Horophilia Network. Uh, there was a show on there for almost the past 10 years called Evil Episodes, which was hosted most recently by Mike Merriman, uh, Jamie Sammons, and Brian Sammons. Well, that show has been put to rest, and Mike has decided that he wanted to concentrate fully on movies again. So uh, he and I, along with a, a horror podcasting legend in Corey Graham, have decided to start the No More Room in Hell podcast. Um we're, we're, we're kind of loosey-goosey right now with the format. We're going we're gonna to let the format kind of organically grow as we do shows. So we recorded our first episode recently where we tackled uh, the original George Romero zombie trilogy, Night, Dawn, and Day of the Dead. Um, turned out to be a really, really fun episode. We tackled it a little bit differently than... Uh, a lot of shows that you've probably heard before, because obviously, the, you know, those three movies have been talked about to death. Everybody already knows about all the social commentary and all the underlying themes and everything else underneath the surface. So mm -hmm. we just kind of went at it with a little bit more fun. You know, just talked about what the movies kind of meant to us personally, you know, how we rank them, things like that. So. Um, so check that out. That's on the Horrorphilia Network. Uh, episode one should be available sometime this week. So I would imagine right around the same time that this episode drops. So if you're listening to this, then No More Room in Hell. Episode one should be available. And then uh, my other podcasts, of course. I am a full-time host on the Horrorcast. 
Um, episode 50 will be recorded in the next two weeks. Monumental episode 50. It took us a lot longer to get to 50 than a lot of uh, other podcasts because of just different hiatuses and things, you know, scheduling conflicts and everything else. So, so that should be fun. On that episode, we're going to be looking at the top 50 scariest um, moments in cinema. Not necessarily scariest movies as a whole, but just individual scenes. Are Jump you just going to like replay the Bravo special? Just do the no, top not 50 at all. From this. Actually, make it good this time because we actually, actually make we it actually good this time with most of it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And this was actually voted on by the fans. Um, This isn't any of the podcast hosts' uh, choices. Uh, Basically, we all put in a list of our own individual 50, and then we had listeners also send us uh, a list of their 50, and we basically came up with a point system. So it's just going to be one big list voted on by the hosts and the fans. So... Uh, nice. So all the horror cast fans, you know, they got to get their little hands on programming for this episode. So that'll be fun. Uh, Beneath the Zenith is on a little bit of a unplanned hiatus just because of scheduling conflicts uh, with a couple of the hosts. But that's what happens uh, when you have 18 podcasts apiece. Yeah. But isn't it funny how I'm the uh, I, I'm the one with 10 podcasts and I'm always available. <laughs> I mean, granted, I have no life, but that's different. So anyway, <laughs> um, fair enough. Uh, the Evil Episodes presents just the movies, which was a side cast of Evil Episodes, will continue. Mike Merriman and myself will continue to review the latest horror releases in theaters and streaming and VOD. But there is obviously going to have to be a name change. So, uh, And we have not decided what that new name of that uh, show there, is going to be. There's no more room in theaters. There you go. <laughs> So uh, the first episode, well, I mean, uh, we're going to continue with the numbering system from the last from just the movies. So that'll be episode 32, uh, which will cover Halloween 2018, which is released, of course, this Friday. Uh, Let's see. I'm still on Rad Radio, the All 80s podcast, even though that's slowly kind of become a monthly podcast once again. uh, You know, we've got five hosts on the show and, you know, scheduling is always an issue. So, you know, Rad Radio is on a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, I believe the next episode we're doing is going to be a commentary on The Shining. Oh. That's going to and that's going to be our Halloween episode. Funny too, enough, so. this podcast is also on a monthly hiata. Ha! Hiata. Okay, and then real quick my last couple Theme Warriors is couple. on my monthly podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I do a lot. I was uh, 12 years old when you got started with this Venom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, like I said, Theme Warriors is a monthly podcast I do with Mike Merriman um, and, and a couple of other podcast hosts uh, from the Horophilia Network where we just pick a theme. Uh, we Each of us pick a movie based on that theme, and then we discuss the theme and the movie and how the movies fit into that theme. That's a monthly podcast. New episodes should be out in the next week or so. Uh, and then, of course, right here on Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. So I think that's all eight of them. Yep. Yeah, I don't know what we're doing next, so <laughs> we'll figure it out later. Uh, and with that being said, uh, now that uh, Court is finally old enough to drink, what, uh, what do you got coming out? All right, so this is going to be a little exclusive uh, look at the schedule specific to Cinema PsyOps that I'm doing just on this show because I never announce anything because I'm a prick like that. Oh, now uh, I'm getting sexy. 
Yeah, <laughs> after we're done recording this tomorrow night, I'm going to be recording the Jess Franco flick Mansion of the Living Dead with the guys from They Must Be Destroyed on Site. Going to be a bit of a crossover episode. Hopefully we will get all three guys, uh, Lee, Paul, and... Uh, you just blanked on the name for Daniel and Daniel. Jesus, I can't believe I almost blanked on Daniel. Hey, I blanked on a Daniel earlier. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully we'll get all three of them. I know for sure that Lee and Daniel are game. I don't know if Paul's going to be able to make it or not, but that's going to be recording this Monday, the 15th of October, and that'll be out the following Sunday. And then our upcoming schedule, Matt's going to have to do the notes for Candy Tangerine Man. The following, that's going to be the following week. And then the week after that, just in time, we're going to do an election special crossover with Darren from the Psycho-Semantic cast, also known as the Psycho-Semantic podcast. We're going to be covering the distinguished gentleman, and it's my goal to do the most dangerous, politically speaking, episode that either show has ever done. So <laughs> if we can start a riot from this podcast in some way, shape, or form, that's my main goal with, with that one. And then after that crossover, we're going to have Matt doing the notes for Lady Coco. So we're going to make Matt uncomfortable for at least three, maybe four weeks in a row. And I can't wait for that. I, I can't wait for this political episode. While I don't get into uh, politics much on uh, the internets, uh, I'm very political uh, in, in real life. So I'm excited to see that because I want to see if we're going to burn everything to the ground. Well, I've I kind of had a bunch of ideas that I wanted to do. And I basically am just telling Darren, like, do all the research because he has background in doing journalistic stuff like so he knows how to do the research he knows where to find various bits and pieces so all the outlandish stuff that i want to actually make declarations about and say all the things that are happening in the world today that are being you know able to be gotten rid of i basically threw it to him that as talking points i want to do and i'm like find facts to back this up so that we can make the most outrageous claims and have them backed up to be true <laughs> I, 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 I want to be on this episode. I don't want to talk. I just want to sit there and just, just take it in live. It's my uh, goal that by the end of that recording, Matt's going to be like, dude, don't release that. Please, Court, don't don't release that. <laughs> well, you know what I say. Fuck them. Uh, like the Catholic Church. Uh, Derek. Derek, what do you have coming up? Well, uh, we just recorded our Halloween episode yesterday, actually, when... And that won't be released till Halloween, unfortunately, but it will be out. If you haven't listened to our new series that we just started on Cinema Attack, we are doing commentaries now with uh, Jerry's former Horror Pack. Uh, horror Cock? Harley. Horror Pack, I said. Oh, I thought you said Horror Cock, and I was like, what? I, I used Is to have a Horror Because pack? I like Redkin's little head. Uh, yes. Uh, the little part, at least, was right. Uh, that's dope. Uh, Carly is fantastic um she she is a joy to podcast with so that yeah that will be very good yeah, yeah it was fun doing our first one of course it's out now ninja three the domination yeah. uh we actually have one planned it's coming out probably november after the week of november 3rd uh i don't want to really tell you the title of the movie yet i'll just say it's italian themed to give it a hint okay pizza <laughs> well, you, you'll, you'll see. When it gets a little more closer, I'll give like a hint on the Facebook group. Black gloves. <laughs> no. All right. Um, was that it for you? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Plus, the Halloween episode is coming up soon. When we did uh, 
I can tell you what we did on it. We did a Flesh Eater, the Bill Heinzman 88 Classic. We had our thoughts on that. And we also did, yeah, and then we also did uh, The Barn, of course, from a few years ago. Okay, all right. Uh, Mr. Don and Ellie, what do you got coming up? Um, all right. Well, uh, we just finished a uh, series on our show where we did uh, Shame on Us No Longer, where the four of us each took a movie that we thought was a shame for us to have not seen as, you know, for as long as we've been a horror fan. So uh, we did, um, we split it up into two shows. We did uh, The Mist and uh, Tourist Trap for the one episode. And then we did um, The Ruins and Bone Tomahawk for the other. So uh, that was the the last uh, couple shows we did. And then um, we're preparing to do our Halloween episode where we do Battle of the Icons Part 2. It's going to be looking at the entire Halloween franchise versus the entire Texas Chainsaw franchise. So we're going to be covering both franchises Whoa. on one show. Why do you hate yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering. Uh, you'll, you'll have to find, figure that out because I think one of us is a huge fan of uh, both series. Uh, fuck. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right, then. Uh... And for me, Kill the Cast does not give you a Halloween show. We don't really give a fuck about your feelings. Um, <laughs> there's too many people out there doing great Halloween shows. Go listen to theirs. We Halloween's, it's my birthday. It's Kenneth's daughter's birthday. By the way, happy birthday, Jade. Me and you celebrating today because we're both uh, October 14th repping. Uh, also, happy it's birthday. my sister's birthday, too. Today. Happy birthday to Derek's sister. And happy birthday <laughs> To the guy who uh, directed Creature from the Black Lagoon, I can't remember your name, and him, and happy birthday to Usher, um, and <laughs> happy birthday to Shaggy Two Dope. Those, those are all the the October fourteenth birthdays I can think of. On this day, uh, this blessed day in nineteen eighty eight, the world was given Night of the Demons, Pumpkinhead, and me. So he also forgot name. the most important. You also forgot the most important thing. Happy birthday to my co-host, Big Bill. Oh, well, yeah. I was talking about the important stuff. Um, so was I. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, Big Bill also <laughs> celebrates this uh, birthday with me. I think next year I'm going to try to like set up something for me and him to do like a special sh- birthday show together. Uh, just because I think it would be interesting. Uh, so, yes, also happy birthday to the Bill. He's not going to li- listen to this at all. So nah, doesn't he doesn't really even matter. know I do a monster show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, this is what I'm doing for my birthday. I'm recording with you guys. So there we go. Um, oh, yeah. What is what is Kill the Cast doing? I mean, we've been shitting our pants lately. Um, we have... Horror Coliseum stuff. Uh, yes, we just did Horror Coliseum Part 4, Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter, and Nightmare on Elm Street... Uh, for the Dream Master. And we did that with Brian M. Sammons. And it was a glorious episode. Uh, so coming up in November, I know the next two shows are... Ne- with the next three... We have the next three shows planned. I don't know what order we're going to do them in. But the next three shows will be somewhere in... There is going to be a Jerry Hates action. Uh, there's going to be a Horror Coliseum. And... There is going to be a 
Derek made us watch the three these three movies trifecta. So <laughs> those are things that will happen eventually once the world stops throwing hurricanes and new jobs and shit like that at my in my life. Um, so yeah, that's another reason we're not doing a bunch of shit in October. I've got too much shit going on. I can't handle it. So you get you you got uh, horror coliseum volume four and you get this and that's all you get. We will kill the cast. We'll come back in November with uh, episodes of, of things, uh, sexual fan service. We're still trying to uh, get a, a porno commentary going. Um, Kenneth Free will not tea? let that go. No, God, no, no, no German porn. No German porn, sir. Oh, God, we don't no. do that. No, uh, Kenneth wants to do like a nightmare on wet street or whatever. Or like Edward Penis Hands or something. Uh, <laughs> we're trying to get sponsored by HorrorPorn.com is what we're trying to do. Uh, to be honest with you. So, hopefully. But that's it for us here. Thank you, Court, for joining us. Your check is in the mail. <laughs> um, well, thanks for having me, guys. And the payment helps. <laughs> and I gotta pay people to be on this show. Have you fucking heard it? <laughs> yeah, listen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, I have. Um, how do you think he? How do you think we got us to be here? He hasn't paid us for shit. <laughs> that is not true, Don. You just haven't received yours because you leave live in a fucking treehouse. <laughs> hey, I still get. Hey, I carry your pigeons. Deliver the mail, all right? Okay, hey, but well, it's, it's a palm tree in California, so it's a nice treehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh. I don't think a palm tree is the best tree to use for a tree house. Um, well, if you tie three of them together. Okay, go. fair enough. I mean, great for hammocks. If you lived in a hammock, I'd be backing you up. Uh, but either way, thank you guys. These the This is Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. These are our visions from Monsterland. We will see you next time for some non-Godzilla movie and episode 9 of Ultraman. Thank you all. Have a good night. We love you. And all that jazz. All that jazz.